find your Bible. In fact, that is exactly where we're going this morning. We are going to that very passage of Scripture Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16. Open your Bibles. Let's go there. As you're going there, let me invite Karen. I want you to tell just quickly about uh, this opportunity that we have uh, with Planet Aid. Can you help me or no? You want me to just take care of it? I know, but I like to see you and, and, you, and hear you. And She's playing shy today. That is so unlike my wife. No, seriously. Uh, school is in full swing, and we praise God for another great year. We're believing for this to be one of the very best years we've ever had. We have uh, new students here, new families here. And remember, church, some of these, they don't go to church. Um, they're, they're bringing their students into a spirit-filled environment and a campus where faculty and teachers and aides, administration, all are praying every day and have an opportunity to share the, the good news of the gospel, impart the word of God to them. This, uh, there, uh, do we have some of these out on the hospitality desk? We did have, anyway. It's called Planet Aid. This uh, is an opportunity that we have. There are drop-off boxes. Has anybody seen the last couple weeks you've seen these clothing drop-off boxes in our parking lot? Some, some have been asking what that's all about. It is us partnering with Planet Aid, and they take uh, gently worn clothing. Okay? Or how about clothes that you don't fit into anymore that are actually really, really good. You just don't fit in them anymore. I have plenty of those. Don't get your worn-out stuff that you don't want anymore. and That's not good. Get the stuff. Go through your closets. Go through your drawers. And get the, the clothing that uh, another, another person could really benefit from. Planet Aid will take all of these items, and they will distribute them around the world to people less fortunate that could use our help. And La Palma Christian School gets paid for helping them. They will pay the school for every pound, I think, every pound of clothing, we get money coming back into the school. So it's really a great opportunity for us, and I want you to uh, take advantage of that. You better be ready to call them, Karen. I think they're gonna, we're going to pack out these boxes, and we'll have to empty them several times. Also, as you're, as you're finding Matthew chapter 16, I want to highlight just a couple of things uh, that are in the bulletin. They've been on the screens, but I don't know that I've said them from my mouth so I, I want to just reinforce a couple of really good opportunities that are happening right away. One is happening tomorrow night. We have a new member class. Pastor Jim Regan and I are going to teach this tomorrow night. And if you've been coming for a while but you've never joined our church, I encourage you to prayerfully come by. It's a three-hour class. Uh, we used to spread this out over four, five, six weeks and it seemed like people couldn't make all of, the, all of the classes. And so they were frustrated, and we ended up being frustrated. We changed that, and we have a, a one class, one night of class, and it's a three-hour class, but uh, good, good information. And we would love to have you as part of our voting membership. We, your voice does matter to us. And when we have our annual meetings, we're, we'll be voting for elders and, and different issues that uh, the church may be facing. And that is your opportunity then. If you've come through membership, it is your opportunity and your privilege then to vote. So uh, prayerfully consider meeting us tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. You can sign up at the Welcome Center tonight, uh, or this morning, actually. <laughs> I'm, I'm already in tonight mode. Also, on Friday night, we have a newcomer dinner. And this is for anybody who's been with us, say, the last, oh, six months or less, and, and you're trying to figure out if you want to join this crazy bunch of believers. Uh, come to our newcomer dinner on Friday night. That is at 6.30. All of our elders and their spouses will be there. All of our pastors and their spouses will be there. Karen and I will be there as well. And uh, just good food and some fellowship, really low pressure. How many have come to a newcomer dinner and now you're part of us in the past? You've been to our newcomer dinner before, several, and they didn't leave, they actually stayed. So uh, anyway, just some really good opportunities on our horizon there. Matthew chapter 16, 
Let's start at verse number 13. It says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And so they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Somebody say the living God. Don't ever forget that the God we pray to, the God that we serve, the God that we believe in is alive today. You are the Christ, he said, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell, the gates of Hades, shall not prevail against it. Oh, look at verse number 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have in your house to offer you praise, to offer you worship, to sit at your feet and learn of you. Open up our ears, open up our hearts. Let us be challenged and changed because of your good word. And we believe you for this and we, get, we thank you for this. We pray it in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody. Amen. Amen. Here is Jesus with his disciples in a region called Caesarea Philippi. The reason that Jesus is in this region is because he needed a break. He needed a break from church folk and he needed a break from his enemies. I'm going to leave it to you this afternoon to go back into chapter 15 uh, and just kind of Make your way to where we are today in chapter 16, and you'll understand what I'm talking about. He had been very, very busy. He had been teaching and preaching to multitudes of people, and probably all of them had some issues that they'd like him to deal with. He had been praying for the sick. He had been ministering uh, miracles and healing. He had fed 4,000 men plus their wives and children. He had to deal with some critics who were, who were critical of him and what he was doing. He needed a break. How many of y'all think Jesus needs a break every now and then? <laughs> he needed a break. So here he is in the region of Caesarea Philippi, and it's in, at this retreat that a couple of things are revealed. First of all, he re revealed to his disciples how things were really going to go. They thought all along he's just going to establish his kingdom right here on earth. What has been promised us is here. The Messiah, the Christ, has come. And now he's going to establish his kingdom right here. And we're going to be part of the council. We're going to be part of that core team that helps him. And he said, no, it's not going to go like that. He revealed to them at this retreat the plan for death and the plan for resurrection. Verse number 16, you'll see this. Excuse me, in, in verse number 16 is Peter's confession. That's the first thing that was revealed at this retreat. Jesus tells about his death and his resurrection, and then he asks a question. Who do people say that I am? They said there's all kinds of buzz about who you are. Some are saying you're John the Baptist, up from the dead with your head back on. You just look differently. Some say you're the prophet Elijah. Some say you're the prophet Jeremiah. Some say they don't know what prophet you are. You're, you're, you're a prophet, though. And then he says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter pipes up. Peter says, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. Christ, by the way, is translated the anointed one, 
the anointed one of God, the chosen one, the Messiah, the promised one. And Jesus says to him, you didn't come up with that on your own. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. My Father in heaven revealed this to you. His confession, you're the Christ. And Jesus goes on to, to promise something to Peter, to the disciples at that retreat, but he's also promising us today. Look at verse number 18. Also, I say to you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the very gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's a promise for us today. He promised that he was going to build this church. Now this promise has actually created quite a bit of confusion over the years. There are those who thought he meant literally that he was going to build the church on Peter. And so they formulated their doctrine and their belief that Peter is, in fact, the foundation of the present-day church. How many in the room have Catholic background? There are wonderful, wonderful teachings that have come from the Catholic church. There are many, many believers in the Catholic faith. But I do think on this issue, they do not hit this accurately. Which leads me to a few questions that I believe will clear up the confusion. Let me ask a few questions today that will clear up some of the mystery. What did Jesus mean when he said, I will build my church on this rock? Peter, you are the rock. First question I'll ask is who is building the church? Who is building the church? Is your pastor building the church? Is his staff building the church? The pastors and, and staffs around the world who work so hard to make sure that everything is, is right on a Sunday morning, a Wednesday night, are they building the church? How about the volunteers who come in and give so many hours working with our rangers, working with our girls' ministry, working with the youth, working with our children, ushering, greeting, singing in the choir. We can't do it without the volunteers. And let me just say thank you. Every technician, sound and lighting and, and, and our PowerPoint cameras, we can't do this without the volunteers. So maybe it's the volunteers that are really building the church. Right? Makes sense. They roll up their sleeves, they dive in, they get it done. Is it the pastor? Is it his staff? Is it the volunteers? You better understand who is building the church. Jesus said, I will build my church. We need to settle this today, folks. I'm not building this church. My staff is not building this church. The volunteers that we thank and we love so much, they're not the ones that are building this church. Make it known today. Make it clear today. Jesus said, I will build my church. Jesus is the one that's building the church. You're not building the church. I'm not building the church. Jesus is the one who is building the church and as a side note, he calls it his church. We get very possessive, don't we? Oh, that's my church. You need to come to my church. How many of us have said that? I have said that. It isn't my church. It's not my wife's church. It's not my family's church. It isn't your church. This is Jesus' church. He is building the church, and he said, it's my church. I just thought I'd clear that up for somebody. Christ is building the church. It's his church, folks. And the church is built 
on Christ. It's not built on Peter. And I don't know who's here from the Catholic faith or Catholic background. This isn't about bashing anybody. It's about bringing, what I believe, some clarity and some truth to the Scripture today. Are you hearing me today? Are you feeling my heart? I don't, I don't like when we, when we bash the Baptist or we, you know, we, we get down on the Methodist or the Catholic or anything else. Right? So I'm just trying to shed some truth and light. The church is not built on Peter. He is not that foundation. It is Christ. Christ is the foundation. Christ is the cornerstone. He is the rock of all Scripture. And I want you to hear this today. I'm going to fly through this, so I don't know if you can get it all or not, but listen to this. He is the, the rock of, of the psalmist. Psalm 18:31. he said, For who is God except the Lord, and who is a rock except our God? He goes on in Psalm 18:46 to say, The Lord lives, blessed be my rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. The psalmist went on in Psalm 62:2. He said, He is my only rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. Psalm 95, 1. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Jesus Christ is the rock that the church is being built on. He is the chief cornerstone. The psalmist knew it. The apostle Paul knew it. The apostle Paul in Romans chapter 9. Verse number 33 says, As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. He went on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 4, And all drank the same spiritual drink, for they all drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Jesus Christ. Do you know who the church is? Do you know who's founding this church? Do you know who it's founded on? It's Jesus. He is the rock. Hallelujah. The apostle Peter also understood this as he said these words in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 7. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. Who is building this church? Come on, church, tell me today. Am I building this church? Are you building this church? Are the district officials, how about our district officials who work so hard? I said this in the 815 service, the suits. Although in Southern California, they rarely have suits on. They're most likely to have cutoffs and flip-flops and a, and a Hawaiian shirt. But anyway, there's suits at the national. Maybe the national office is building the church. Maybe the dignitaries are building the church. You better understand it's not district officials. It's not volunteers. It's not me. It's not my staff. Jesus said, I will build my church. That's who's building the church. He's the rock that we build our lives upon. He is the solid foundation, and I will not be moved. Amen. Hallelujah. Just before I get to my second point, Nancy, I want to say to you, ma'am, how much we have appreciated you being with us week after week over these many years. Nancy Erickson, this will be her last Sunday with us. She's moving. And uh, we just want to say how much we love you and we appreciate you and thank God for you. Make sure and love on Nancy before you get out of here today and let her know how much we love her. I, I only said I'd bless this if she's promised she'd come as often as possible and visit with us. She's going to move out to the desert and she's not too awfully far. But uh, she, she pinky promised me that she'd be back. So uh, love you, lady. Really do. Let me ask another question. We've decided and, and it's been established who is building the church, but how about this? What, what is the church? You ever think about it? Is it lights and electricity and air conditioning? Is it nice padded pews? How many of y'all thankful for some nice padded pews? Listen, we could be in a third world country. The majority of the world 
They're not worshiping like we're worshiping right now. And they pack them in. They're, they're hanging on the win- in the windows. I've seen it. They don't care. They're, they're on the dirt floor. Is it the nice padded pews? Is it the, the brick and the mortar? Is it the drywall? Is it the two-by-fours? What is the church? Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 I say to you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. The church is made up of all those who are saved. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 23, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. Anybody registered in heaven? You know, Target has this registry. We visited it the other day. Somebody had registered for a birthday, right? Anya, you registered your little girl. I thought that was a brilliant idea. I'm, we're used to like wedding registries and different. She registered her little girl uh, at Target. We printed it off and, uh, you know, it was great. You know there's a registry in heaven? You better make sure and stop by. You better make sure that you have registered for heaven. It's a matter of just giving your life over to God, asking Jesus, his son, to come into your life. And if you will do that, the Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. They shall be saved. Saved from what? We have all this lingo, we have all this verbiage, we have all this terminology, and if we're not careful, we start talking in Christianese and some people are lost. What are you talking about saved? Well, if you're lost, you need to be saved. You need to be found, right? The Bible says Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. So that's what I'm talking about. We're born into darkness. We're born into sin. And we need someone to save us from the penalty of sin because the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, how many are glad for the gift of God today? But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, His Son. The church is comprised of all those who have been born again, who have been saved. You've confessed your sin and asked Jesus into your life. That's what the Bible's talking about right here. The the church is the body of Christ. Colossians chapter 1, verse 18 says, He is the head of the body. You're not the head of the body. I'm not the head. I'm not the head of this church. I'm simply a shepherd here that will give some guidance and some teaching. But pastors need to be very, very cautious that they don't get so full of themselves that they think they're the head of the church. Because the pastors are not the head of the church. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Look at this again. Colossians, can you, do we have that scripture? Colossians 18, uh, 1, 18, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. In all things. Somebody say, in all things. He needs the preeminence. He needs the focal point. He needs all the glory. He needs all the honor. It belongs to him. It does not belong to you. We're just part of the body. And some of us get so hung up that we are not the the part of the body that we want to be. Some say, I want to be the ears, because you like hearing everything. Some say, I want to be the nose, because you're a little bit nosy. (laughs) I don't want to be the big toe, right? I want to be this part of the body. It's more comely. It's more beautiful. It's more seen. It's more vocal. I want to be the, I want to be the tongue because I like to talk. Who wants to be the big toe? But what if God wants you to be the big toe? The big toe is important. Do you know without the big toe, you're off balance? You'll lose your, you, you, you get, your balance is off kilter. We had a girl 
that we went to college with, Central Bible College, years ago, she was moving a piano. And you know, it slipped from the hands of, of whoever was on her side with her, and that piano came smashing down on her foot, severed off her big toe, cut her big toe off. And it affected her balance and her gait and her walk. Now, she learned how to live without the big toe. In fact, not only did she learn how to live without the big toe, she took it to heart and she just she, she made the, the most of it. She made the best of it. At Christmas time, she sent everybody a card that says, meet me under the missing toe. <laughs> I promise you, I wish I'd have kept it. We got that card, Karen, I know we did. Meet me under the missing toe. What if God wants you to be the big toe? Because only God knows where you'll fit best. We're just part of the body. He's the head and we're part of the body. We don't need to fight against each other. We need to work together. And when one part of the body is, is, is hurting or is injured or maybe just complains a lot even though they're really not injured, right? Oh, my back. Oh, my knee. Oh, my this. Oh, my that. It slows the whole body down, doesn't it? Your knee gives out on you. This is real. This is serious. It's going to slow everything down. The whole body will be affected by a bum knee. My back was out for several years until God healed me miraculously. Did I tell anybody about that lately? I love telling about how God healed my body and I'm never going to be the same again. But I'm telling you, when I was down, I was down. I was out. We need to be working together, church, as a body fit, joined together by Christ because we're part of the church. Talking to you about what the church is, we're part of the body of Christ. The church is to bring glory to God, Ephesians 3.21, to Him be the glory in the church. We are glory hogs. I'm talking about humankind. We'll all have to fight this, wanting the glory for ourselves, wanting the accolades for ourselves, loving the pats on the back, loving the attaboys and girls. We need to just... Give all the glory to God. All praise be to God. Should I gain any praise, Andre Crouch wrote years ago? <laughs> Let it go to Calvary. To God be the glory. Great things He has done. You're absolutely nothing without Him. Don't take any credit. Don't take any glory for yourself. Church, we are to give God all the glory. He deserves all the glory. He deserves all the honor, all dominion, all power, all respect goes to God. Be careful that we don't take some of that for ourselves. He's not going to share His glory. We, the church is to bring glory to Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. The husband is the head of the wife, Ephesians 5.23 tells us, as also Christ is the head of the church. Here it is again. Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be subject to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Husbands, love your wives. Husbands, love your wives. Oh, I think I'm stuck right here. Just as Christ also loved the church and he gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that, he, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Are you hearing this today, church? Husbands ought to love their own wives as they love their own bodies, and don't we love our own bodies? Mm-hmm. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh. He nourishes it. He cherishes it. Just as the Lord does the church. We are members of his body, of his flesh, of his bone. Verse 32 says, this is a great mystery, but I'm speaking concerning Christ and what? The church. We are 
the bride of Christ. And Peter said it like this. Chapter 2 and verse 5, 1 Peter, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices which are acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. I loved this analogy that Peter brought because it goes back to our text today. Jesus said, Peter, you are Petra in the Greek. You are a stone and I'm going to build the church on you. Remember, Peter was filled with inconsistencies. He had his own set of issues. He was hot-headed, had a foul mouth, I think, flew off the handle, and this is what the Lord is going to use to build his church, this kind of a stone? Oh, yes. And he said, the revelation that you have just received today, you're going to take this and others will believe just as you have believed. Others will see that I am the Christ. And so I believe that Jesus was saying, what, what starts here is going to spread out. But Peter was a living stone. I brought some stones here today. I took my family north several years ago and we just drove up the coast. Has anybody ever done that? Oh my goodness. It's so awesome. I mean, you really do see how spectacular our God is. It's so worth it. If you've never done it, you really should plan it sometime. It's, it's a great, great trip. And we found ourselves, where was it, San Simeon? Anybody know where San Simeon is? We just pulled over and we found a motel. Now, I'm saying it like that because there's a difference between a motel and a hotel. We were in a motel. And thrilled to be there. It was, it was, it was like, it was just for us. God gave us something really, really special. We unpacked our bags and this kind of a, just a, a, a I want to say it the right way. It's a motel. <laughs> Y'all seeing the picture? We, we crossed over. We're right on the beach. And so there was this one area that it just kept washing up stones. And they were so beautiful. We all just kind of got down and, and we started picking up. The, the, and they just, they just sparkled in the water. And we went, out, went, went throughout and we just found the best ones. Really, really pretty. Brought them home and they're in a vase. They're in a, they're in a jar. Reminds us of these, these stones and this trip that we took. But every stone was different. No two were alike. Different color, different shape, different size. In a little bit, when we conclude here in a few minutes, I'm going to ask you to come. And I want you to look at the rocks, but I want you to take one in a little bit. And you'll see what I'm talking about. I look on, on, on this table and I look in these jars and I see a variety of color. There's black and gray. There's white. There's, there's like a tannish color, beige color. There are some that are mixed color. There's some with a yellow hue and a red hue. There's brown rocks. Hmm. Now look around this room. This is one thing that I really do appreciate about La Palma Christian Center. We're not some white church or some black church, or some Spanish church, Latin church, Asian church. I think we are a mix of what is going to happen in heaven. I really do. Every shade, every size, 
The important thing is, are you a living stone? Or are you just a dead stone? Maybe you're an irritant stone, like a kidney stone. <laughs> I didn't bring up any kidney stones. But I'm saying some people think their ministry and their call in life is to be a kidney stone in the body of Christ. You can write that down if you want to. Isn't it the truth? You're not supposed to be a kidney stone. You're supposed to be a living stone. Amen. Now look, the one I have right here, it's, it's awesome. It's beautiful. But I'm telling you, there's some dirt that's so down inside, you can't scrub it out. It's just part of who, who this rock is and what this rock is. There's imperfections. There's scratches on it. There's dimples in it. But it's still beautiful. There's not a rock up here that is flawless. It's all part of what God intended. So it is with you. You have imperfections. You have a past. You've got some flaws and dimples. <laughs> got some wrinkles. You got some dirt that's so down in there. It's just part of who you are. God wants to use every stone in here to build His church. A living stone. You're a living stone. You're a living stone. You're not the head of the church. You're not the head of the church. Christ is the head. We're part of the body. And the body is comprised of living stones. One more question for you, and we're going to pray. How secure is the church? I mean, in the last day, the Bible says there's going to be perilous times. By the way, today, I'm starting a new thought, a new focus for us. We've been spending several weeks looking at the end times and being prepared for the end times and believing that we are in the last days. But I thought, how, how better for us to be prepared for the end times than to go back to the beginning to see how they did it. So we're going back to the beginning so that we can be properly prepared for the end. Amen. So we're going to look at the early church and the foundation of, 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 of the church. Jesus said, I will build my church. But, so is it secure? Are, are we, are we going to be okay? Well, I believe there will be perilous times, but we have to go back to what Jesus said right here. Bring up our text again. I say to you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the very gates of Hades, the very gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I want to tell you today, we are secure. We are on a solid foundation. We are on Christ, the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone. And we are secure. The very gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This phrase, by the way, was a very common phrase when this was written. The elders would be stationed at the gates armies were deployed and dispatched from the gates. So what is being suggested right here is the enemy is sending out troops heading your way. Do you know that there is an assignment? The enemy has an assignment to take you out. You are on a hit list. We don't think of it like that, but you really are. There's an assassin that has got your name and your details, knows where you live, knows where you work, knows your schedule. He's been watching you for a long, long time. You don't see it because Ephesians 6, 12, we do not wrestle, bring this up for me, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. This is unseen. But there is a vast army that is 
plotting and ploying for your demise. They are dispatched and deployed from the very gates of hell. And Jesus says, the gates of hell won't even prevail against what I'm going to do. A weapon has been formed with your name on it. But how many remember what the Bible says about the weapons being formed? Oh, let me just tell you, the Bible says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. It might be formed, but it's not going to prosper. I will build my church, Jesus said, and the very gates of hell will not prevail against us. Church, we are in good shape right now. We are secure. We are ready for the end. Are you part of the church? See, it's important that this is taken care of. Remember what I said earlier, the church is comprised of all those who are saved. And Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. Pastor Moses, I want you to come. Before I invite you to come and look this table over and ponder your place in the church and in the body, I want you to take a rock and I want you to take it home and let this be a reminder of who you are. You're part of the body, you're part of the bride, you're a living stone. You are the church. You are a vital part of what Jesus meant when he said that to Peter. You are Peter. You are a living stone and on you and all those who come after you who will believe like you do, who will get the revelation that, I've, that, that, that the Father has given you today, that he is the Christ. He's the anointed one. I will build my church. Perhaps you're here today and that revelation is coming to you and you're seeing Jesus is God's son and I want him in my life I want you to bow your heads all across this room and consider what has been brought to you today, what has been taught and preached. Consider these words. Are you ready for heaven? Have you gone to the registry? Have you accepted Christ into your heart and into your life? It's the only way that we'll be permitted into heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. If you're here today and you're ready to accept Christ and become part of his church and you want me to pray for you, lift your hand right now. Let me pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Anyone else, you're ready to accept Christ. If you're serious about this commitment, I'm going to ask you to take a very, very bold step. I'm going to come down from this platform and I'm believing that you will meet me right here and we will pray with you that Christ will come into your life. As you ask him to forgive you of sin, he will do so and you'll confess him as Lord and today you will be saved. If you've lifted your hand or need to, I want to invite you to come right now. Come now and let us pray with you. I've got some altar workers that are going to help me. Come now. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. You'll never be the same. Come to Christ. Come to the altar. Let us pray with you today. Thank you, Jesus. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest rain, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. My 
nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest rain, but holy God thanks and praise for lives that are in the process right now of being transformed. Salvation is taking place right before our eyes today, folks. Those who are lost are being found at this altar right now. We thank God and we give Him praise. Ushers, I'm going to have you move our altars out. I don't want to disrupt or distract from our altar workers praying with these who've come forward. So church, I'm going to ask you to come on these sides as they move these altars to the side here. Quickly, ushers. I need another usher over here, please. Thank you. Move them all the way to the sides. Church, let me invite you to stand. I want you to come, and I want you to glance at these rocks, but I want you to pick one, and I want you to return to your seat, and I'm going to pray over you. Come now. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand, the solid Christ the solid rock I stand amazing guys look at this if we need to get any out of the jars you see one in a jar you want get it out everyone different everyone unique 
No two alike. Did you get a rock? You want a rock? Get you a rock, buddy. Get you a rock. There you go. Did you get a rock? Come on, man. Awesome. Stefan, God bless you. I want you to look at that, everybody. Come on, just give me two more minutes. We need Mimi's and Marie Callender to clear out anyway, right? The earlier churches that let out, they, they need to clear out, so you're fine. I want you to see this, though. Just a few more minutes. Yeah. This represents, and I want it to serve just as a reminder. That's all. Place this somewhere where you'll be reminded of your role in God's promise and Jesus' declaration which said, I will build my church. We get to be a part of that. And don't forget, we're, we're, we're thinking like we're going to be the last living generation, right? We're thinking that way, we're believing that way, so we'll act accordingly. Linda, you and, you and Ken are going to be part of the living generation when Jesus returns. Wow. You've got to think that way. It'll cause you to live differently. Gerges, you folks, I, let's believe you're going to be part of the living generation. Wow. Each one of us. And so, here we go. Look at it. Has anybody got a perfect stone? Nobody got a kidney stone, right? They're not perfect. But aren't they beautiful in their own way? There's dimples and scratches and flaws and some dirt and sand maybe embedded in there, but it's all part of who you are. A living stone. Why don't you hold that up real quick and let me pray over you. Father, I pray for this wonderful congregation of people. Every man, every woman, every student that you've brought in we recognize, Lord, you, you are the head of the church. This isn't our church. It's your church. We are just simply honored to be a part. Let this simple illustration, let it serve as a reminder. You're the head. We're the body. We're fitted together. We're going to be part of the, of the building process of the church. Have your way in our lives, God. We surrender and submit to you in Jesus' name. Come on, say amen. Be sure and hug on somebody's neck before you get out of here. Love on your neighbor. Make sure and tell Nancy how much you love her and how much we're going to miss her. God bless everybody. We'll look for you tonight at 630.